The following is a KPV MediaWorks production. Choose your fighter. How you doing, guys? Welcome to another episode of KPB Cast. This is not a normal episode where we're not going to be talking much about FGC, but we are going to be talking about gaming, though. And who we have here today are three guests that they come from... Well, what's the name of your group, Leilani? I'm, I'm sorry? It's okay. So overall, the organization that we work for is called the New York Council on Problem Gambling. I represent the Mid-Hudson region, so we are called the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center. And my colleagues, they come from New York City. One, Ashley comes from um, Staten Island, and Venus stems from the Bronx, and they represent the New York City Problem Gambling Resource Center. <laughs> there you go, guys. If anybody's from the Bronx, she gave you the X. <laughs> sure did. That, that is some lover. Right Lean there. back with it. Lean back. Lean back. <laughs> Well, you guys yourself have said, I know a lot of people will take it wrong that, well, why are they here? They don't really have much to do with the FTC or gaming. But you, Leilani, you have been to events. You've been there with your husband. I don't know if Ashley or Venus have ever been to any um, offline esports. No, you haven't? No. But I'm sure you know, you, you get the gist of everything that's going on. And I'm sure Leilani has shared some of the stories that, you know, when she's gone there. And listen, I've, I've been in it for, I was in it for a while, excuse me. I got out of it for, I want to say, maybe three to four years. And I recently have been back. I've, I've always kept up with it. But, you know, gambling, which is, again, the topic we're having today. Gambling, as you could, as, as we all know, is a problem. It, well, it could be a problem depending on who you ask. I mean, Lay, what, what are some of your experiences at FGC events when it comes to gambling where maybe you have seen some money being tossed under the table during some of these matches? Because that does happen. You know, it is it, competition. And, you, you know, we've had a few um, guests here before, mm-hmm. uh, specifically Josh360. He was a gamer at a um, Chinatown Fair, which is one of the biggest arcades that, um, that uh, New York City had. And he admitted, it's like, yeah, th- there were times where he would see maybe – $100 money matches, or just money just being tossed under the table. But what are your experiences with it? Um, from what I've seen, you know, again, yeah, being at these events with my husband and with you guys, with KPB, um, I've seen money matches, definitely. I've never really seen, like, outside of money matches, I don't know what else goes on. I do, I've heard of... Um, money matches happening in front of everybody. I've heard of uh, money matches happening on the side in like private rooms where I'm not privy to that. But I've seen people lose and it's not pretty. You know, and it's difficult with money matches because you're not, you're betting and just like in a casino, you're, you're, or on, um, at a, uh, uh, oh, now I'm losing my words. (laughs) You're a convention at a slot machine. No, at a slot machine. Like you're at a slot machine or you're at a casino. Sometimes you're betting on somebody else and you don't know if that person or even a racetrack, you're betting on something else and you don't know if that person's going to win. So the person in gaming, the person who's playing the game, maybe may or may not know that somebody else placed a bid on their behalf. And if that person loses, now the person who placed the bet is pissed off at the person who was playing. Oh, and, back, ha- and, holds, and yeah, and holds animosity towards that person who just lost. And and then it can become it can become um I don't want to say violent, but there can be some aggression that happens that comes about it. So it's it's interesting altogether. And I just want to clarify something, at least in what we do. A, a money match is an arrangement between two players. Maybe they have backers, maybe they don't. Maybe they're betting money themselves that they don't have. It's competition. Uh, you, you know, ga- gamers just like, uh, you know, basketball players, they, they love their competition. And the money matches, like, you know what, let's get away from the tournament. Let's go back to the room. Let's have a first to ten to really see who, who the best is. You know, I, I'm sure we've all heard of that. This is not This is not something that's strange to nobody that's followed any form of competition. Right. But But... 
I, when it comes to gamers, and again, I, h- how is it? Because the people who go to FGC events, by all means, they're the overwhelming majority of them are between the ages, I want to say maybe 23 to 35. Mm-hmm. That, But gamers themselves, I mean, how do I put this <laughs> while being very, very nice? But by all means, a lot of them are ridiculously <laughs> immature. I mean, you laugh, but you know it's true. A lot of them are immature. No, I understand what you're saying, but it, I, I laugh based upon how, how you said it. Um, but while there's truth, there are people who are mature within gaming, the gaming world. So I don't want to... But since we are talking about people just gambling, I mean, people who gamble recklessly... But I don't think that's a mature versus immature um, thing. And if you guys, if Ashley, if Venus, if you have anything to say about that, I don't think maturity and that in terms of gambling or having a problem with that. Well, well, not not in the terms of gambling. It's just, again, I'm trying to figure out how to say this very nicely (laughs) without getting nobody angry at me. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, how, how do I put it? It's. Gamers, when you go to these events, the majority of them are immature. It is a weekend getaway for a lot of them. That that's that's what a lot of FGC events are. Whether some people don't want to admit it or not, it is a weekend getaway, and you do see some very immature things happening at these places. I, I'm sure you ladies have known about the most recent things that have come out. That's not even immature. That's just irresponsibility. Excuse me, but. I guess what I'm trying to correlate is the immaturity with not knowing. It's like, well, I'm just giving up a dollar. I'm giving up five dollars in the gambling, um, and a little gambling thing. Where it's like, it's only five dollars, which then escalates to twenty to thirty, and as you could imagine, it, it just gets completely out of hand. But it, again, it's. Are you are you saying? Would that you say people... that? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say. Venus. Um, just in my my research with gamers. A lot of them are, they stay in a room, they're sheltered. So they may lack social skills that um, an average person might have that are, that have a, a social friends. They go out, they go to the movies. I mean, now it's COVID, but I do, I think like I've seen it with my research and my research that, you know, a lot of gamers, they, they stay isolated or they have issues with, not all, but some, I don't want to put everybody in the box, they they stay to themselves. Um, and they feel comfortable because a lot of times they feel like they are socially, they can't socially express themselves how they want to. Some of them are being bullied. So would you say that plays a part of what you're seeing? Yes, that that's a better way of putting what I was trying to figure out. But like you said, you've done your research. It, it, how about this for you, Ashley? Do you think it's more of peer pressure? You know, considering that, yes, we are adults by by the age standard. You mm-hmm. know, 21, you're an adult. But w- would you say that part of gambling is peer pressure, especially in this group? In terms of gamers. In, in gamers, you yeah, know, the I group of gamers. It is. I don't – it's hard to say whether or not it is um, peer pressure without knowing the individual dynamics. But what I will say is that gambling is definitely a social norm. And definitely, um, you know, among the young adult age group, like the 23 to 35 age range that you discuss. Um, you know, a lot of people locally, I know, um, when they turned 21, like they went to Atlantic City to gamble with their friends as kind of a turning 21 rite of passage. So, um, so I think that that's definitely a factor. And you know, at the Problem Gambling Resource Center, when we do our, our work in the communities, talking to people, finding out what kind of gambling is happening, a lot of the stories we do hear is that gambling practices are you know normalized in people's families and people's neighborhoods from a pretty young age. So what you mentioned, you know, about the maturity factor, I, I don't think. Um, that is a factor in, in gambling at all. I think you have kind of a combination of the social norm of the activity. Well, people might people often think, well, what do you mean gambling can be harmful? I've been placing right. sports bets with my dad since I was eight years old. Like, what do you mean this can be, be harmful? So there is that um, kind of social acceptance of it combined with what happens to some people's brains when they feel like they can't stop 
placing a bet. And it has nothing to do, it has nothing to do with, um, with maturity when you really look at kind of the science behind it. Well, like you said, I mean, gambling has been around forever. It, yes, it is a problem, but it's been the problem for ooh, centuries now. Basically forever. Gambling is always going to be around. And... It's just the forms of gambling. Can I add something? Um, if we're talking about children and you're talking in regards to maturity level and development, yes, children, they don't necessarily have the, um, their brains are not developed to make the decisions that as adults we would make. And we, you know, that there are gamers that are younger than the 18 or 23 that of you course, were speaking of, of, the age range you were speaking of before. So if it, if it's a young child who is making decisions or making in a sense, gambling decisions or spending money or playing a game with um, in-game currency and not understanding that maybe how that those addictive qualities can come into play. Yeah, they just, they don't know because their brains haven't developed yet. Well, you know, I just want to clarify something. Yeah. I, I, I will say this. my The way I was trying to explain immaturity is when you go to an FGC event or any gaming event in general, any esports event, it's almost like you know, you're going over there and you're going within this bubble, a bubble where, listen, everybody there is doing what I love. Yes. This is what I spent a lot of my time doing. Yes. Uh, th this is what I love to do. And especially now in the information age or the tech age where there are, I mean, weekends nowadays, there's almost something happening every single time. M mine is right now, obviously. But I, I guess I was looking at it. It's like, okay, let me just go within this bubble where, where people only think one way. And uh, I guess the immaturity, what I was trying to explain is, again, a lot of people within the FGC, when I was in it, uh, it's immaturity in the sense that, well, again, I'm within this bubble. I'm with my friends. I could be a goofball. I could bet whatever money I want without thinking of the repercussions outside of that bubble. Okay. That's okay. what I meant to say. Okay. Would, would that be, would that, was that a better explanation of, I was trying to, of what I was trying to say? Yeah, I would think so, yes. Because um, sometimes we don't, sometimes we go into things because, you know, maybe we'll consider that like a, a person who's a social gambler. You know, they go in that saying that it, I, I'm, I'm going to just have fun. I have a certain amount of money. I'm out with my friends. This is a weekend just for me. And I'm going to spend a certain amount of money. And that's it. Now, when it comes down okay, to... Somebody put down their mic and we're getting a little bit of feedback there. Thank you. So um, when it comes down to, you know, when it turns into a problem is when they have let go of any notion of, okay, that is my set amount that I'm spending, or they just keep placing bets because then they, they just, they just want to keep winning, you know, and they have no saturation point. So and that's where it becomes, it can become a problem. And I, I, I've seen it, um, and I, I, I've heard of, I've heard of it more, and I've possibly seen it a few times where somebody has gone too far. Well, yeah, I mean, I've heard stories from, you know, some other people where, you know, it's, it's the biggest, closest events we have here is uh, Stanford East Coast Throwdown, and then of course the big events with you've been, which mm -hmm. you've been to a lot in Philadelphia. Now, for us in New York, I mean, that's a three-hour drive, mega bus drive, uh, you know, mm -hmm. two-hour car drive, whatever it is. But I have heard of stories of people who literally just go down there and waste all their money without, you know, it's like without thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to get back? You know, um, maybe one of my friends would spot me money, but it, it, it just looks bad. But that's just taking a gamble on spend. That's not, well, okay. So if we're going back to the, how we define at our job, how we define gambling is risking something of value at a chance of reward. And we always know that when it comes down to value, it can mean a plethora of things. It can mean money, actual money. It can mean your time. It can mean something you, pos you, you possess, um, something that you consider it could be, <laughs> your car it could be jewelry whatever and people can they are willing to risk it at gaining something of a reward so if a person is li literally willing to risk um everything you know all that they have in that weekend just to go to uh, you know just to have fun that's a different type of gamble outside of the gambling that we speak about okay 
so and while yes it under the kind of under the umbrella because i mean i've been in in places and spoken to a lot of people and they were like well shoot my education is a gamble you know i sat there and spent thousands of dollars you know uh, uh paying for education and did i ever see a return in that or they and the funniest one is like well my marriage is a gamble <laughs> so it's those are definitely different types of gambling gambles but when it comes to us we're really talking about like casino betting we're talking about um uh lotteries we're talking about gaming in in a sense of spending more money to place a bet or even uh, being a spectator and placing a bet and how those repercussions um, can come down the line if you're not careful. Okay. All right. Well, let's start. Ashley had mentioned something earlier, and I actually want to kind of start from there. Thank Go you. ahead. I'm sorry. That's no, okay. <laughs> well, uh, Ashley, you mentioned that sometimes this kind of gambling, the one that your groups deal with, or by all means all groups, but you said that it may be nurtured from a young age because oh my god my dad like what's the problem i bet i bet a dollar game with my dad in tetris or you know or any other kind of video game so what's the perfect it's do the parents not know or do or again do they think it's just a joke it's like yeah you know what i'm teaching my kid how to bet a dollar i mean do you do you guys experience a lot of people within your group where it's like this started from when they were young you know, I, so when people, uh, when the people looking for help for gambling uh, reach out to us um, to talk about their problem for the first time, uh, we don't necessarily um, get that, that deep with them in terms of their whole story, you know, and where the gambling problem originated. Uh, we're kind of the entry point for them. Um, and then, you know, their, their, their past and their history of gambling is uh, something that they then discuss with the therapist. The therapist will probably, you know, go into that and ask them those, those questions. So I can't really speak to that on behalf of um, the, the people who contact us for help, because once they're in therapy, that information is confidential. But um, what I can say from a research perspective is that there was a, a study that was done back in 2000 that looked at a bunch of different like possible what they called risk factors for, for problem gambling when people get older. And that study showed that the most common risk factor for developing problems later in life was lack of parental objection to mm -hmm. um, gambling, you know, and, and parents don't want their, their kids, you know, they don't want their kids growing up, you know, having the problems associated with problem gambling. So based on that, that research and based on like the interviews we do with people in the community, I don't think parents know how potentially harmful gambling can become um, unless they, unless they knew somebody themselves who had, um, who had a problem gambling or they themselves had a problem gambling it's not really something that's mentioned and this is part of what we're trying to change too to get problem gambling talked more about in like the public health discourse because now there is especially since the opioid crisis a lot of effort to get information out about the harm of um alcohol and drug addiction not as much about um problem gambling and the harm that uh, that that can cause as well. So that's part of what we do, trying to get it introduced into the dialogue. Because I do think if more parents knew how devastated would they be, it could become and how like more vulnerable youth are to um, getting kind of hooked on that process, um, I think parents totally would um, take a more proactive role in saying, hey, Definitely. gambling can be dangerous too. Definitely. I, I agree. Like I do a lot of um, listening sessions and we all educate our community. And the interesting thing is that parents will talk about drugs and alcohol, but gambling is a social norm. You know, each culture has their own origin of gambling, whether it's numbers, dice, lotto you know different ethnic ethnicities they have their own gambling story and what's interesting to me is like the young people would say i would ask them like has your parents ever talked to you about gambling and they were like no they tell us about drugs and alcohol 
and to stay in school and to get an education. And then I'll ask them, well, how many people do you know gamble in your community or in your family? Everybody's hand will go up. But however, I think that's a part of our job to educate, um, not to tell them, you know, gambling is bad because we have a neutral stance. We understand that gambling is legal. You know, um, that's not what we're here to say that gambling is bad. We're saying how, if you have a problem, we are here to help. And I think um, just advocating for families who are suffering, there's a stigma behind it. So there's people in your community that have been torn apart due to this addiction course, gambling, but will not share because it's embarrassing to say that I gambled away my child's college fund or I stole from Peter to gamble, you know, for a scratch off, you know, and that's the stigma behind it. And I think our role is so important because we go out in these communities and we talk about it's okay. You know, addiction is addiction to me. It's the same muscles, the same brain. And I think we need to treat it like a disease. Like we would treat opioids, you know, you, you can't fire someone if they have a drug problem. There's a, a procedure that you have to go through. But, you know, with gambling, it's a little bit different. Why is it that, like, like both Ashley and Venus just said, of course, gambling is part of the social norm. Mm-hmm. That, that is a thing. But, I mean, gambling, a lot of sports, you know, a long time ago, they, they basically got rid of that because, oh, my God, somebody might throw a game or somebody might do this, somebody might do that. And now we saw it's come back, at least in New Jersey. We're in New York, which is where it's not legal, with DraftKings, with mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Um, I forget the uh, the name of the other one, where, you know, government sees that there is money to be made there. That, that, that's, what, that's what it is. It's more money for them. It's money for the people who made DraftKings. It's all money for that. But why, why is it that, like, um, I believe it was Ashley who mentioned it, Oh, you would ask a kid, and it's like, yeah, they talk to us about drugs, they talk to us about alcohol, but nobody really ever says anything about gambling. Is it just because to an adult telling a kid it is a social norm? So it's like, well, why do I have to tell them for? You know, this is, quote-unquote, not more dangerous than than alcohol or drugs, but if you're an adult and you lose all your money to gambling, how do how, it's we. It's funny when we did our training. Is like the, one of the first things that they they told us was like gambling is the hidden addiction. You can't see it. It doesn't have these the side effects that maybe um, other addictions have, like uh, drugs and alcohol. The withdrawal, even though one of the warning signs can be withdrawal, it just looks different. You know, the warning signs are similar, but it just looks different for a, a person who has a gambling problem. So when it looks different and if it's not in your face you don't it's like you, you, if i don't see it it's not there a lot of the needs assessments that we do and in, in, that we hear about um or people speaking about problem gambling or us asking them about problem gambling or even just gambling in, in, in general there's like it's normal you know we go to we play the lottery we go to casinos have fun it, it definitely is a norm where it's not seen as a problem. It's only, it's, it's known as a problem to people who are really are affected by it. Which is family in this it's fam- case. Yes. It's family, it's kids, it might even be the dog, but <laughs> what kind of training do you guys do? Um, obviously you decided to dedicate some of your lives to helping these people. Yes. And w- w- I'm sorry, um, you know, when you decided to join your organization, like what kind of training is it that you guys do? So we offer definitely our regular problem gambling one on one. That is a standard um, for any person who's interested in learning about. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I apologize for cutting you off. I meant what kind of training do you go through? Oh, do we go? Yeah, through? do you, Ashley, and Venus go through? We're, we're going to get to <laughs> the good. We're going to get to the information session. I was letter. like, um, so. Because, I mean, again, sorry to cut you no, off. No, you're it's, fine. It, we, you guys have dedicated to helping people out. And unfortunately, we do know we live in the times where a lot of people don't want nobody's help, where they might feel a little bit embarrassed admitting to somebody that I have a problem. You know, it's, um, I, and I've seen it plenty Definitely. of times. It, it, you know, like even when my wife was giving birth, where we mm. went up to Greenwich Hospital, they have a little bit of a ward over there where, people go for problems and I've seen people get into fights. It's like, well, wait a minute. 
Like, why, why are you telling me how to live my life? You know, like they, they don't seem to understand that you're there to help. Yeah. And the, and these people, there is huge blowback. It's like, no, leave me alone. But again, what kind of training do you guys get? You know, basically knowing, hey, this is what I'm getting into. I want to help people. That's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But again, what kind of training, what kind of training do you guys get to basically brace yourselves for what comes next? Well, my back, my background personally is in a lot of community work. So I've dealt with people and pushbacks and any different in various different topics. So problem gambling wouldn't be any different. So I educationally wise, like college wise, that I'm not in my degree was in fashion merchandising. So it has <laughs> nothing to do with any type of community or social work field. But my work experience is definitely in community work and having a background from my previous job in um, uh, prevention community like uh, per, uh, uh, substance use uh, prevention has allowed me to adjust to this position um, better when it comes down to specifically problem gambling a lot of the training came from the New York Council on problem gambling them educating us on the different types of gambling the uh, the warning signs how to train um, how to I guess uh, and then just giving us articles because technically problem gambling is is like it's a newer addiction compared to other addictions out there so um a lot of our studies is not slim to none but it, they're still being developed of course so we 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 try to get as much education through research and studies that have already been established and that's where we get our information but the lady's gonna ask you answer your question <laughs> go ahead lady uh ashley like explain your training when you first decided to join this group sure so um prior to coming to the council um i was a uh well i still am um a social worker um i got my master's in social work um back in 2012 so i think that the training I got in the social worker and the as a social worker and the work experiences I had before I came here preps me well for this kind of work, especially when it comes to, um, you know, in social work, we're really trained to really respect uh, the self-determination um, of the people and the communities we help. So basically that we don't make decisions for people. We don't make decisions for communities we listen to their needs and then basically inform them of their options. And this really applies to the work we do, um, you know, both in helping clients directly and in the outreach work we do at the Problem Gambling Resource Center. Um, because when somebody calls us asking for help, we don't tell them what to do. We don't tell them, yes, you have a problem and you need treatment. We listen. We ask guiding questions and we respect that they're um, we respect that they're an autonomous individual whom even if we might be worried about the symptoms they're showing, our role is we're gonna we're going to support, we're going to let you know what all of the options are. You know, there's therapy, there's 12-step groups, there's um, which we recommend, but if you're not ready, we can also just give you some literature. Like we really try to meet people where we're at and we try to meet communities where they're at too. Um, I think it is going to be a long time before communities are fully ready to address um, problem gambling, especially given all of the other priorities um, that are going on right now. Um, but we're here to have those conversations and those trainings and their presentations with who is um interested um you know and and make those kind of small inroads where we can so um i think that uh that philosophy um i i learned a little bit before i came to the council and the council just reinforced it and then for you know the hands-on trainings like like leilani said you know we the council has done like extensive research on problem gambling and putting together trainings kind of before we came on board so you know where our training director kind of did like train the trainers with us for all of the trainings like so we were all basically trained to be trainers on all of this information um and then uh and then now we're bringing it uh now we're bringing it out to the communities um and one important piece and then i'll finish up because i know i've been talking for a while one important piece <laughs> of <laughs> um 
the, the trainings that I really want to drive home. The most important thing that I learned when I got the train the trainer for problem gambling, and this is probably the point I, I like drive home the hardest when I'm out in the community doing presentations, is that if you're thinking of gambling as an addiction, which it can be for some people, um, the most common comparison to addiction is alcohol or drugs, right? Like if you just heard the word addiction with nothing else attached, like that, that's that's where, what we what we think of first. Um, so if you're comparing ga- gambling addiction to something like drugs or alcohol, a really good comparison that's simple to understand is the the risk is the drug and the, the, I'm sorry, the money is the drug and the risk is the high. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it again, the money is the drug and the risk is the high. So the, 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 the money is, or the object of value that they're wagering, which in most cases in our society is money, um, but, but using money or an object of value in, in that way that people use it in gambling results for some people in a dopamine rush in the brain, which is like our happy chemicals, right? So for some, and, and you know, some people biologically are, are, are more vulnerable to that than others. You know, not everybody who picks up a drink is going to become an alcoholic. Same thing with gambling. Most people who gamble can do it socially, but for some people, the change they experience in the brain is so intense and they don't even have to win yet. It's just, it's just the act of like, placing the risk that causes a change in the brain chemicals that's similar to what happens when somebody who is developing an addiction to alcohol gets when they take that first drink. And that was, that was like mind blowing for me, right? When I heard that and I was like, that totally makes sense because one who doesn't know about it could easily wonder why is it so difficult to stop? But once you realize that oh man, the brain changes as soon as they take that that bet and they want to feel that rush again, it totally all comes together. What kind um, of studies are there to um, to basically, what kind of studies are there that you looked at? I mean, what are these studies looking at to try to basically tell you it's like this person, you know, maybe may become addicted. Is it, is it um, you know, social status? Is it is it, you know, family life? Is it, you know, a way of life? What kind of studies have you seen, you know, related to that where, like, you know, there's plenty of studies for alcohol and drug addiction. And Leilani said that there's not much yet for gambling. But what kind of studies are you looking at specifically, if you can name some? That's a great question. So and a lot of the topics you mentioned, right, like you asked, are there social factors? Are there this? All of those things are looking at and, um, that study done back in 2000 that I referenced um, yes. that I referenced earlier, which looked at the risk factors, that's an example. It looked at all sorts of things, right? And then determines out of all of these things, it's like the parental lack of objection that sets people up for the most risk. But it's not the only thing by any means. Um, there is a journal, oh gosh, I want to get the exact, I think it's called the Journal of Gambling Addiction. Um, but it is like an academic journal, um, you know, and all of the articles about it are, um, have, have, have something to do with, uh, gambling addiction. So I know a lot of the research that our team has pulled has come from there. Um, we also have, um, a relationship with Dr. Laureen Rubel from the National Council on Problem Gambling. Um, what was and, her name? I didn't uh, catch that. Dr. Rubel. Laureen Rubel. And she is, she's like one of the leading national experts in, in gambling. Um, and she actually, uh, for a while, helped volunteer to supervise some of our clinicians. Um, so she's somebody who we have gotten information from as well. And we do have a conference every year. Shameless plug, our virtual conference <laughs> is coming up October 5th through 7th, and it's virtual for the first time, so anybody can join. And at that conference, um, we have Dr. Rubel and other folks who have been doing research on these things kind of share um, you know, what they have learned so far, because as Leilani said, this is a relatively, you know, um, it's, it's relatively new that people are studying um, gambling addiction like this. So we need to like, hold ourselves accountable as educators about this issue to make sure we're up to date 
on um, you know, what all of the researchers, researchers are doing. So a lot of the research that we cite in our presentations has come from either that journal of gambling addiction um, or information um, research that has been done by some of the experts who um, share it at our uh, conference so we can incorporate it into our work. We also um, get a lot of our information from, um, his, it's a gentleman called Cam Adir. He does a lot of gaming, um, gaming and uh, gambling addiction um, talk. He talks a lot about it. And he uh, attended our conference last year to educate the community at large about um, gaming and gambling. Another way to get information about how, whether it, it, it sounds like environmental factors um, as to why people can, um, are more prevalent to game the problem with the uh, problem with gambling and for me in our region i've heard some people say like in our northern region sometimes like in the sullivan county and mm -hmm. ulster county um areas and sometimes it's it's the not i don't want to say desperation but the need to want more because they live in more rural areas and, and jobs are scarce and resources are scarce they tend to want to play the lottery Oh, of course. And then they'll keep playing and keep playing and keep playing and not understanding that it, it can become a problem, but it's their need to want more for themselves in life and gain more. Mm -hmm. So that can be like a factor as to how they gain the problem. Well, you know, the lottery, like you said, especially in places where there's not much going on, no jobs, economy is just shut down. Mm -hmm. The lottery is there. You, you know, the lottery is a gamble. Right. You, you know, it's like you're giving up a dollar is like with the hopes of winning something. Yes. So, of course, in those kind of towns and those kind of counties where there's not much to do or not, excuse me, not much to do where things are just looking so bleak. Let me go put a dollar that turns into two dollars. Hey, listen, maybe not the Powerball now is at one hundred and eighty nine dollars or right. one hundred and ninety. And and the commercial itself says it, you know, you could be the lucky one. Yes, you can be the lucky one. And even if we're going back to gaming, I, a lot of parents have said even since COVID and being in quarantine at first, everybody was so ha not happy, but they were, oh, this is a good time to spend more time with family. You know, we're going to eat together. We're going to do so many things together. And after that honeymoon phase went away, <laughs> then everybody went into their corners. And if to keep their mind, if the child, for, the, for the parent to keep their child's mind busy, they said, go ahead and play. They've given them free access to you to play their video games. And not, not only that. Just, go ahead, B. Just to add to that, it's like because school went remote. Yeah. So yes. now I have a nine-year-old. He's on a screen more than average. So I love his school. Um, they're now talking about ways, how can we engage the kids without being on the screen so much? Yes. And I think that's a beautiful conversation because once you get addicted to the screen, it's like even with him, I'm, I have to monitor his time with his video games. He's not allowed to play Fortnite because you're not 13. But there's people who or parents who have who may not be able to monitor their child as much. Like I have one, so it's easy. I'm all in his face. I need to know what he's doing. But other parents, they don't have that, that time or the resources. If I have to work, you know, two jobs, or if I have to work remotely, I can't monitor what you're doing, you know? And it's sad to say, because I do have a nephew who plays Fortnite crazy and it's like you know the addiction is there and so i think um these conversations are very important to have because again you can't tell a parent what to do however you can tell a parent hey maybe you should do movie night or maybe you should ride a bike you know we have to give people alternatives you can't just say you know video game is bad gaming is bad da, 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 da. um how about you go hiking you know in a city in the bronx we can't go hiking as much. So what can we do, you know, to make sure that you're not so addicted to screens? Because I really believe it starts with that screen and just me, you know, zooming in. And like in my culture, parents sport video games to keep their kids safe. You know, like certain areas you could not go outside. So it's like I'm going to buy this Nintendo because at least I know you're home. But it's like now we have to have a conversation about 
what's going on with the addiction. And now I, I was watching something and Fortnite gave out free free V bucks, and I'm like, what are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> and but a parent like because I'm in this field, I understand that. But a parent seeing that is like, thank God, I don't have to put twenty dollars on V bucks, and I'm like, no, no. That's dangerous, you know? Yeah. So I think we have to have these conversations. Well, you said it. Um, go out with your kids, ride a bike, go hiking, get them away from the screen. But in these times, how do they do it? Everybody's afraid to go out. I mean, exactly. I, mean I, I go, I have to go to work. And Leilani, Leilani kind of got mad at me because she's like, why'd you brought a mask here for? Well, like I have something. <laughs> like, don't worry. I know you didn't have anything, but uh, how do you how do you help that out? You can't really go out. A lot of people are scared. But in uh, all things, like, yeah, even no. if they can't go out, uh, uh, sometimes the parents are so concerned with their child's screen time um, that even themselves they can't even see that they themselves have been spending a lot of time with on this screen. And we also encourage parents to have conversations. Do you know what your child's playing? Do you know what that game means to them? Because again, we are not saying that gaming is bad. We're not saying anything like that, but we're just saying, do you know why that child may be playing a lot? Because it could be something important for them. It becomes an addiction. And yeah, or it can become, an, it is an addiction for them. So, but you wouldn't know if you don't have that conversation. Of and course. a lot of sometimes people are not having that dialogue with their child. So. If they can't go out, at least have that conversation so you can start that dialogue with them to figure out what are their likes, what are their dislikes, what can we possibly do other than this? Venus, I had asked Ashley and I asked Leilani, let's ask you, why did you decide to start doing this? Is it because you have a, is it natural for you to want to help people? What was your decision um, for wanting to join the group and... One, and dedicating your time to helping as much people as possible with their addictions. Um, I was um, very intrigued um, with problem gambling because nobody was talking about it. And I have family members um, from Mississippi and, Miss and Memphis who are heavily gamb gamblers. And so to me, um, I just saw it as an opportunity to bring a resource to a community, my community in particular, who lacked resources. And so um, that's the reason why I chose it because I definitely um, see the side effects of it. You know, like there's a lot of messages about gambling, like, oh, we could win, we could get out of poverty, but um, it's a lot of people who's really, really struggling. And I have family members who are really, really struggling that were fiscally responsible, house paid for, um, and something tragic happens, you know, death or they're being battered. And now they're living from, not only living from paycheck to paycheck, but asking other family members for money. And it's like, you had a pension, you know? And so I empathize with people like that. And I understand that, you know, ad addiction is a disease, you know, whether it be food, whether it be shoes, you know, we all have vices, you know, to be honest, we all have vices and we all can be addicted to something. And so I just have that empathy, you know, with that and just trying to help people. Ashley, she meant, Venus mentioned that some communities do not have the resources. Why is that? Why is it that some communities don't have the resources to reach out to the community and try to help people out? Like what, what, what is causing it to to not basically be available as much as it should be. Oh, she, you hear you hear me, Ashley? Is she there? Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Your screen here. froze for I a was, second. I was just, oh, that's okay. I was <laughs> pausing to reflect also. <laughs> and I wasn't sure if you were talking to Venus or me. But, but so, well, I think, so I think that that's a question that, um, stretches far beyond <laughs> um far beyond uh problem gambling you know i think there's a lot of needs in a lot of community you know that are under resourced and that can be a whole nother conversation but keeping it focused on um keeping it focused on problem gambling resources um you know i think that resources are given to address problems you know based on um based on the scope 
of, um, of the problem. And, you know, if you look at, for example, you know, the percentage of people who, according to studies, um, have a problem gambling in New York State, it's about 5%. So roughly one out of 20 people um, one in, out of every 20, you line up 20 people, right? Rows of 20 people in every line estimated one of them, you know, will have a problem in their life due to gambling. And while that number is relatively low compared to things like alcohol abuse, for example, you know, or compared to rates of um, certain mental illnesses, I think a lot of people don't realize that for every person that has an addiction, up to 11 other people are impacted. And we mentioned earlier, it's usually families, I would say spouses or domestic partners that share finances in particular, um, that are kind of hit the hardest by this. So I don't think people realize how much problem gambling affects the quality of life and wellness of people kind of far beyond just the individual who has developed the addiction. Um, you know, I think there's like societal costs that come with it as well. And I think that uh, we just aren't, we meaning not the council, but society in general is just not like used to looking at it in a systemic way like that. I think there's still a lot of stigma in it you know, of people saying this is on the individual and the individual needs to get help and why should we put public resources into it? Well, because of the scope of it, you know, and because gambling is really accessible, you know, it, there's opportunities to gamble everywhere. And as long as we have a society where like those opportunities are more vulnerable systems of care, like we're setting up at the PGRC should be accessible as well. But I think it is going to take a while to build because I think people just aren't looking at, at gambling health from a public health lens. And that's what we're trying to change when we like go on shows like this and go out in communities to kind of like adjust that lens. And you also mentioned something. I mean, gambling is everywhere. I mean, people could gamble in cornhole for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> No, there is gambling in cornhole. Yes. There is gambling in everything. Yes. How is your group? Do, what is your group doing to try to battle this? If, if they are doing anything, it's like, well, I guess I guess a better question would be, what is it that your council is doing? How are you guys getting out there to try to tell people or give them some advice? Because like we already said, we're not telling people how to live their lives. You just yeah. You're just giving them some advice. You know, we're not telling you don't go crossing the street or, or anything like that. We're not telling you not to do it. It's just be more aware of what the situation is that you get that you may end up getting yourself into. So the New York Council on Problem Gambling, they developed these resource centers throughout New York State. So we have what well, there's seven resource centers. There's Western New York, there's Finger Lakes, Northeast, Central mid-hudson new york city and long island so within these new these resource centers part of our job is to bring awareness and it, that's through talking to you on podcasts going downstairs and talking to the neighbor reaching out to organizations and different agencies to 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 brit to educate them on problem gambling or to see how can we um how can we help you help the community and educate the community on problem gambling. That's what we do. That's one part of of our job is bringing awareness around it, so that if somebody has a issue or is or is affected by problem gambling, if somebody has a challenge with their addiction or somebody's affected, like a family member, they can then call us. Each resource center has their own line, their own um, phone line that they can call in. And receive services. We have clinicians um, on board that have been trained by our um, that have been trained in problem gambling, and they can get help. So, part prevention, part bring awareness, part clinical side or treatment side, where they can be connected, not just to our clinicians, but there are several different organizations throughout New York State that also um, we can connect them to um, if there if it's um, an, an addiction treatment center if they need more intensive um, treatment 
we can connect them to that. So that's why we're out here trying to learn or canvas the land, learn about uh, uh, the, the needs of the community so that we can better service them. Do you guys, does the council, would they ever consider actually going out to an event? Again, we're talking about gaming here, specifically our own, which is uh, video games. And conventions being as big as they are, like um, E3, I'm pretty sure is still around, uh, PAX. Has the council considered maybe going over there, renting out a table, putting up banners, and bringing awareness to to um to problem gambling in gaming that's something that we can always go back to our council and discuss um i don't want to speak on behalf of them because then we we always have to answer to somebody mm -hmm. and we within our council we always have these type uh we always openly discuss different things so we can bring that um we can bring that up to them venus you say you have yourself a nine-year-old kid and he plays um fortnite and no he does not play on fortnite <laughs> Oh, I thought you said he did. This thing. No, my nephew. Oh, your nephew. That's not in her household. And no. I, I know I know Leilani said that's something that, you know, you would have to bring up to the council and, you know, answer to somebody. Hey, this is a suggestion. But you having a nine year old nephew who's who plays Fortnite, would you want the council to maybe attend a gaming convention and put a table there and bring awareness to it. Not just the kids, but also their parents. Would, would you want that? Would that help out? I think, I think that's a good idea. Um, I think it's like Leilani says, something that we definitely could talk about. I think um, just more importantly, I think just educating the parents, giving the, not telling them what to do, but giving them the information and having them decipher. Um, I think that that works better because people don't like to be told what to do. Um, and just going back to Fortnite, um, I had a coworker, she let her three-year-old play Fortnite. And so it's like, it's, it's a sense of ignorance. I don't mean in a, in a bad way. It's just, you know, ignorance, just being not knowing because I don't intentionally, I don't think parents will put their kids in danger. And what I mean by that, even myself, like I had to, I was buying a PS4 for my son and it was a bundle and it came with Fortnite. And I almost brought it, even though I knew it's for a 13 year old. And I said, I could cook, I could clean, I could do this. But something jumped in my mind and said, well, would you give your nine year old alcohol? And I was like, no, so I'm not buying that. But again, I have the knowledge and I understand. And I think it's just more important for us to be a presence um, to the parents. So yes, I would think that would be a great idea because not only are there parents that go to those conventions, there's older brothers, there's cousins, it's a whole village. So even though I might not allow my child to play Fortnite, when he goes to his cousin's house, I'm not there. He's gonna do what he wants, you know, what, what he's allowed to do with that adult. And so I think that will, be a great idea just to educate the community um, as a whole. Can I say something? Of course. So on the flip side, because I, and I know Venus and I know her son, um, for me, and if it was me, uh, me as a parent, not at, as a uh, employee of the council, um, if I was a parent, I personally would buy, per, uh, purchase a PlayStation and the game for my child because my husband is a gamer and he is in the business and he knows a lot. And for me, and this is only for me, I always speak for me, is that, you know, because we have that knowledge around gaming and I also have, I am previewed to what problem gambling looks like, I will... I would educate my child along with, you know, being in, in limit because we also talk about in our gaming and gambling uh, training is about limiting your access, the limiting the access of the games to the individual in, in this instance, a child. So that, for me, it's just different. My answer, I guess, would be different. Sorry, babe. <laughs> <laughs> would it? No, you what? fine. You pay your rent. I pay my rent. <laughs> Do, do some parents not realize that they're feeding their kids own addiction just because, well, my son is happy he's playing Fortnite. And I, I have a friend. My friend is Alex. He, he works for GameStop. 
And he recently told me something where Fortnite, they actually gave out a, a pickaxe, which is basically an, um, an in, in-game object or item for the little characters. All you had to do was basically go to GameStop or any gaming store in general, and you had to either pre-order something or buy, buy like some $20 add-on. Mm. And again, my, my friend Alex, he, he's there. He doesn't like Fortnite. He hates it. But the amount of lines for people, for mm. parents taking, which he said clearly 13 to 15 year olds in there and just buying up so much money. I believe he said his store alone made probably the most money they've ever made in a weekend. Wow. So our parents, is it because, you know, uh, 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 that's what a parent wants. They want to see their kids happy. And yet they don't realize that, hey, maybe this is an addiction. Maybe this, you know... It, my son, my daughter, I'm feeding their addiction, but I do it because I'm a parent and I want to be a loving parent. I don't want a kid, you know, going on the floor crazy because, hey, my friend down the street, he has it. How come you couldn't get it to me? Is that is that a problem that you guys may encounter in, in, in this culture where it's like, again, I want I, I want to ha- I, I want to be a good parent. I want my kid to be happy. It, do they do some parents not realize that they're um they're feeding that addiction? What do you think, Ashley? I think it's complicated. You know, I think that because of the effects that gaming and gambling has on certain people's brains, particularly young people, because young people's brains are like, they're like a car that has a fully functioning accelerator, but the brakes, the brakes are a little wonky, right? So, because our brains aren't fully developed until we're, until we're, we're 25, right? So, so in, in that sense, yes, from a very technical standpoint, the parents are setting up their kids for some risk. Um, and it is our job, you know, to educate parents about that risk. Uh, but it's, 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 it's complicated to then work with them on what to do from there, because I think that Venus brought up a really good point earlier that there are, and, and Leilani too, when she was talking about, you know, the, the more um, rural locations, is that, you know, not all families live in a place where there's like these abundance of recreational activities to do um, outside of gam- gaming, particularly now with COVID, but even before COVID, rural areas, um, you know, higher crime areas, like they're not, like, like Venus said, maybe families are in a situation where it's not safe to go outside. So, you know, yes, from a very technical standpoint, um, you know, parents could be um, exposing their child to some risk um, by letting them gamble, you know, at the same time, we do respect the autonomy of parents to kind of do as they wish from there. And basically, our job is to um, give them the information, you know, and and not try to judge or control them from there say, you know, this is a behavior that's risky. And this is why and you have, you know, you you have the right to make any parenting decisions that you want with this um, from there. You know, our job is just to um, non-judgmentally uh, give parents the facts, and then um, and then what they do from there is is okay. And you know, there, you know, like I said, there of course there's you know other activities. I know that you know particularly. Um, in a lot of the work that's been done with like alcohol and drug prevention, like a lot of those efforts focus on, you know, other positive activities that you can do with your child, which, you know, we, we mentioned also, but like I said, it's complicated because some people uh, live in circumstances where there aren't a lot of easy, um, there aren't a lot of easy other options and we have to, um, respect that and work alongside with our allies in the prevention world uh, Um, to create like (laughs) better communities where those other safe options are available. Lay, you were going to say something? And truthfully, parents just want a break. (laughs) 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 Parents just want a break. It's hard being a parent. Yeah. With this kind of job that you guys do, you've seen pushback, I'm sure. How do you deal with it? We just keep on moving like our job our thank goodness um our 
our job has allowed us to if if somebody is not ready because we consider it readiness when if they're ready to talk about it then they're ready and then we proceed but if they're not we're not here to push something on them you know we just we tried to do it as gently as possible in terms of giving the information and we just say we're here to help at the end of the day and if you we have the information when you need if you need it um and when you're ready we're here to provide well you know what i want to thank you ladies that was very informative you know a lot of good information there and i hope that everybody listening to this understands that it is a problem you may not think it is but it is i mean we've known people who have gambled away paychecks some people who may have lost a home or may have lost friendship because of their family members so before we log off from here i want you guys again if you could please give us more information on your council again or okay. where could where could everybody go to reach out to to you three ladies if they want to because they saw you here on the show and they might be more comfortable with you right but Yes, if you could please give us that information again, I would really appreciate it. So I'll start with myself. Um, I am with the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center. Our call-in line is 914-215-6440. And if you wanted to get more information and resources about all the resource centers, you can contact us at help org i believe that's it or ny problem yep. gambling yeah ny problem gambling help.org and like i wanted to say one more time oh, wait, wait, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> go ahead guys <laughs> <laughs> it looked like they weren't gonna say anything i'm sorry <laughs> where they have their own numbers <laughs> <laughs> go ahead venus go ahead i apologize no worries um again our hotline is the bronx hotline um we work for new york city but i'll just give you the bronx hotline x is in the building okay <laughs> 929-222-9566 again that's 929-222-9566 ashley cool and um and so for any borough, we actually have, we have problem gambling resource centers in each borough in New York City. And there's a citywide email address that you can reach and, you know, it'll just get triaged out to uh, whoever can help you in that borough. So to email the New York City Problem Gambling Resource Center, um, you can reach us at New York City PGRC at nyproblemgambling.org. We are also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, yes. um, NYC PGRC, if you want to follow us. Um, and I can go ahead and give the numbers for the rest of the uh, resource centers for folks who want to yes, um, take sir, it down. Yep. So for uh, Brooklyn, the number is 917-994-8377. For Manhattan, the number is 929-955. 3061. For Queens, it's 347-761-3103. And for Staten Island, it is 929-955-3062. And just remember that we have resource centers throughout New York City and that NY Problem Gambling um, help or nyproblemgamblinghelp.org has all of our resource center numbers um, attached as well as emails so you can go to that site and see it and mid hudson has their own <laughs> ig page it is mid hudson under mid hudson pgrc or yeah no mid hudson underscore pgrc i'm sorry that's on ig and then mid hudson um pgrc on facebook so follow us and like i said guys we did this episode you know it, it wasn't it wasn't talking a lot about the FGC, but it is something that, you, you know, it is it, it, it is a problem. A lot of people may not want to admit it. And what the, these group of ladies did, they're only here to help out. They're not here to tell you how to live your lives. They're just here. If you know somebody, a fellow competitor, a family member, or you may be a parent whose kid goes to a Super Smash Brothers event tournament or a Street Fighter tournament or Mortal Kombat where they may see their kid is actually starting to become addicted or may have problem gambling 
problem gambling as we've as we've said time and time again in this episode and again they're here to help so if you want to reach out you already got their information and i want to thank you guys once again for coming over and doing this and everybody thank you that's a wrap and thank, thank you ladies you. i really thank we, we really appreciate thank you. it we appreciate thank you so much you. for having us yeah. and yeah. i, I, I apologize job. for getting here a little bit late but I'm glad I'm glad we were okay. able to sit down and do this. We it's really appreciated. Oh, God. All right, guys, thank you very much, and Thanks have yourselves a good evening. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. This has been. A KPB MediaWorks production.